Welcome to Finding Certainty with your host and U.S. Army veteran, Patrick Lang. Over the next hour, you'll learn from Patrick and his expert guests how to attract more certainty into your business and your life. Now, here is your host, Patrick Lang. Welcome to Finding Certainty. I'm your host, Patrick Lang. And uh, whether you're a new listener or a uh, frequent follower, we appreciate your patronage. Thanks for stopping by as we unpack the important topic of certainty. We all know that there is a great deal of uncertainty in the world. We did a Google search recently, and there were tens of thousands of hits in media on the topic of uncertainty just in the last 24 hours. A lot of people are looking for solutions. And on finding certainty, we address it and dissect it, discuss it from multiple different angles. Today, I'm very honored to have a special guest with me today, Sir James Gray Robinson, Esquire. Thanks for being here, Sir James. Appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Oh, I'm honored to be on the show. You're doing some good work there. Well, I really appreciate it. I, you know, your your expertise fits right into helping create certainty in people's lives. And your story, I thought, was a perfect fit for what we do. Appreciated uh, you being referred to us by our mutual friend uh, Tony Dreammaker Doty, who I know is your uh, your uh, close friend and colleague, and was recently involved in the movie you just had a premiere uh, for a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Beyond Physical Matter. So we'll talk a little exactly. bit about that today. He's the he's one of the executive producers, I understand, of the of the film, and That's you were one one of the cast members. So yes, indeed. Well, I always started out the show by explaining a couple of reasons why I've invited this specific guest, and as I said, Sergey helping create and helping people find more certainty in their lives and in their businesses, and he's a former attorney. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that part of your life, but a former attorney who made a fundamental shift, a significant shift about 20 years ago, and um, set out on a path following a really a, a period in your career where you were beyond burnout, right? You had a nervous breakdown. You were you were doing a job you hated, if I'm not mistaken, in my understanding, and you decided that you needed to make a change. And that change has has really put you on a path that's now blessing thousands of people's lives, maybe even millions of people's lives all over the world. So that's the first reason I wanted to invite Sir James to be with us, because he made a decision to to set out on a new path. And whether that's for you, a change in your industry, a change in a relationship, a career, or maybe just changing things within your life that make things better, Sir James can most definitely share some insights on, on that experience. Secondly, because of that shift, that paradigm shift, that change in direction, as I said, Sir James is now blessing the lives of others. And isn't that how things so often go where we change ourselves and in the process there's ripple effects and we start to change families and those around us and our communities, maybe even the world. So you're a great example of that, Sir James, and I really appreciate you coming to share part of your story with us. All right, let's jump into this. Um, I always start out by asking you to tell a little bit about your upbringing. 
Where did you get started? Before you became an attorney, who were you? Were you a Jamie Gray Robson, Robinson? Or were you James at the time? Tell us your story and how you ended up as a successful litigation attorney. I was a third generation trial lawyer. My father, who went to West Point, uh, was an extremely successful trial attorney in North Carolina, and his father was a judge in North Carolina. So I kind of um, was born with a gavel in my little fist, to, uh, and I was expected to become a lawyer. Um, what, what, whether you wanted to or not, and, right? <laughs> Whether you wanted well, to or not, is that right? Choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, um, back in the you know back growing up in the fifties and sixties, it was a completely different culture then about what sons were expected to do and uh, how family dynamics worked. And we didn't have all the psychological knowledge and research that into family dynamics that we have now so it was just expected you do what your father told you to do i mean that was the that was how i was raised and what was expected of me uh personally i wanted to actually my passion wanted i wanted to be an outward bound counselor outward bound is a program where they take uh, uh adolescents who are misbehaving and take them out into a uh, wilderness setting and teach them fundamental skills uh, to help them uh, go back into society and have a more positive experience. Right. And I, that really intrigued me and, and I, I wanted to do that. But as I said, my father very dynamically and dramatically insisted that I was going to be a lawyer. So I went to law school, which the, the joke was I did very well. You would think that if, you know, if it was something I really didn't want to do that I wouldn't do be very good at it. But as it turned out, I was very good at it. Um, and that was one reason I had a, a dilemma because I was doing something that I was against my nature. Um, I'm not a fighter. I like to find solutions. I like to uh, compromise. I like to um, you know, find, uh, you know, problem solve. When you're a trial attorney, it's it's more about the battle. I mean, it's, right. it's a substitute for warfare, basically. And you're not only are you dealing with the opposing attorney, you're dealing with your client and you're dealing with your partners and you're dealing with other other attorneys and the judge. And so it just, it was extremely stressful. And Back then, people were just expected to white knuckle it and, you know, uh, stiff upper lip and all of that. All right, and they didn't it. have any tools to deal with stress. They didn't. Yeah, exactly. And and most people making the kind of money I was making uh, just said, well, the money's worth it. You know, w one day I'll be happy. You know, if I get if I earn enough money, one day I'll be happy. Well, the problem is one day never comes. And so. My problem was that I was so stressed out, I actually became depressed, and that that uh, evolved into full-blown nervous breakdown. And I woke up one morning, and I just couldn't even go into the office. I, I couldn't bear the thought of another day trying to convince somebody that uh, they were wrong. 
and I just didn't have it in me anymore. So I quit practicing law and I was really motivated to find out what happened to me because from from the outside looking in and on paper, I was extremely successful. I had, um, although I had been, I was going through my second divorce, uh, which wasn't pretty. Uh, I was a, did a lot of divorce work myself. And so you would think that I could have managed it better, but as it turned out, the attorney my ex-wife chose didn't want to compromise. And hmm. so we, it was a five-year battle. Wow. Just, you know, just well, making it, it, offer after offer after offer, and none of them were. So it just added right. to the stress. And, right. Uh, it, eventually, anyone, I just got to the point where I didn't want to say another Right. Any, sorry. Anyone who who's gone through that can relate, but a five year battle, that's, that's a long divorce. I mean, I've been divorced twice. I'm on my third marriage. I think this one's a, the keeper. I, it's uh, fantastic. You know, they say third try is the charm, but, but it is emotionally draining. It's financially draining, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to go back. I want to go back real quick before we get into where you transition to, you talked about being an outward bound counselor and one of the organizations we we uh, partner with and support is called the Anasazi Foundation, and they do exactly that. They take kids out into the wilderness, and yep. and uh, and I think even as a at a young age, you um, you had that desire to serve and to make a difference and to help. I I know we were talking before, and I read this in one of the articles I saw about you about how when even as a child, you always you, you love to read about the Knights of the Round Table and Merlin and this and this whole concept of of uh honor and chivalry and these things, right? And isn't it ironic now, I mean you're Sir James Gray Robinson, that you were just knighted a year ago as part of the I want to make sure I get this right, the Royal Order of Constantine the Great and St. Helen, the House of Cappadocia. Um, I was telling you I had Sir James Dentley the third on my show several months ago, and he's he's one of your uh, colleagues. He's a baron in the House of Cappadocia. And so isn't it interesting though, Sir James, and I I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here because you've experienced it, but how you had this desire as a small boy. And then as you were looking at what you wanted to do with your life, you kind of got off on a a tangent, if you will, for 20 years as a lawyer trying to follow in your father's footsteps and make him happy. And I think a lot of us have done that in our lives. But, but doesn't doesn't the universe oftentimes make corrections and get us back on path? Not always, especially if we're not listening and if we're not paying attention to those signs and those promptings and that attraction. But I believe that's what happened in your case. Uh, am, am I am I off base there? Do you think, or is there some truth to that? Oh no, you you're you're right on point, and you know, and to kind of integrate it into the theme of the show, you know, we all want certainty in our life, and we want to have some control over what happens to us. And being a lawyer, if people think that. You know, being in the business world is is uncertain. Lawyers make their money on uncertainty, 
And if you're fundamentally hardwired to be stressed by uncertainty, then you're not in a very healthy situation because right. you're going to be constantly dealing with surprises, things that don't go exactly as planned and, or as expected. Uh, there are a lot of twists and turns in the journey through the legal halls. And so uh, if you don't have a really solid foundation on how to deal with uncertainty, then you're, you, burnout is the next step. And we didn't call 100%. it burnout. Didn't call it burnout in nineteen in two thousand and four. It was just nervous breakdown. And we've learned a lot in the last twenty years. They've done a lot of research, especially in neurobiology and uh, neurophysiology, as to what happens to our bodies when we subject it to stress on a daily basis. And we, if we don't have tools to deal with that stress then the body will shut down. It's a self-defense mechanism. It's a survival mechanism. And let me just give you some statistics about what's happening in our world today. They, uh, in 2016, the American Bar Association did a study with the Hazleton um, Rehabilitation Center uh, about addiction, you know, alcohol, drugs, self-medication. And the results were pretty alarming because like lawyers, uh, about 33% of them were addicted to something. And a large number of that and a similar number were stressed out. And so the American Bar Association threw everything they had, all the resources they had at mental health and emotional wellness and all that stuff. They did a lot, a lot of uh, work trying to get resources for lawyers to be emotionally and mentally healthy. Then COVID hit, and we all know what a horrible experience that was because we're all hardwired to be social animals. And when we had to isolate, that created a lot of angst and a lot of stress for many, many people. A lot of people you know, had to completely change their lives, and change is stressful. So. They did another study in Massachusetts in 2022 and that came out last year, and they found out that 77% of the lawyers in Massachusetts were burned out and they wanted to quit. Uh, try to get your head around that number. And so whatever the ABA were trying to do, it wasn't working. And so in 2016, I decided I was going to help lawyers deal with stress. And the, because of my personal experience and because of my training, I knew how to help people manage that uh, mind, minefield, M-I-N-D-F-I-E-L-D, because it's all up here. It's all what's going on between your, year, your ears, and you can manage that. But if you don't know how, then it's, it's, it's counterintuitive because you just are basically stuck with your own thoughts. And, and if they're not healthy thoughts, then you're going to have physiological problems because that has an effect on your body. And so I've been spent the last seven years, eight years now, uh, talking to lawyers, giving speeches to the American Bar Association. Um, I give one-on-one -on -one sessions with a lot of business professionals who are stressed out and want to learn how to deal with that. So um, 
I've drawn upon my experience of having gone through that myself. I, you know, if nothing else, I have a lot of compassion for lawyers uh, because we're not trained to deal with that. Even though there are a lot of resources there, there's something about the lawyer mentality that feels that they believe that admitting that they have a problem, somehow there's some stigma attached to that and they are not comfortable with asking for help because they think that somehow that signals some kind of weakness or something's wrong with them. Right. And so they would rather suffer in isolation than go get help. And so it's been a curious thing for me because, you know, as much talking, I've written nine books now about all of that. And I've got one that I was just published called Thriving in a Legal Arena. It's on Amazon and it's, won an International Impact Book Award. So, you know, there are solutions to this problem. It's just simply that you have to get people willing to to change. And one of the things I like to say is if you want to change your life, you have to change your mind. And But if all, if it's all you know is what you know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so a lot of lawyers get stuck in this negative loop between trying to make sense of a legal profession that a lot of times doesn't make sense because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> you, you just try, you try to maximize your return, but you never know what's going to happen. Right. And that, well, to, is, that talk about uncertainty that, yeah. can, that will torpedo your boat every time. Well, to your point, and we are up against our first break already, but to your point, um, we can't control so much of our environment, our industry, our, our careers. I mean, whether you're an attorney or you said you help you work with other professionals, I'm an entrepreneur. I've built uh, uh, three different businesses, et cetera, et cetera. We can talk about that after the break, but we have to control the piece that is controllable. And that is our thoughts. That is our response. We can't control so much of our environment but we can control that. And I know that's what you teach with your, with your coaching. And we'll, we'll come back to that. I want to get into a little bit more of the science of it and also your transition, because I know you had some interesting experiences that drove you besides the, the burnout, but some other experiences that drove you to what you are today. So uh, we are up against our break. This is Patrick Lang on Finding Certainty. I'm visiting with Sir James Gray Robinson, who is a world-renowned healer and coach, former litigation attorney, a multi-published author. It's recently in a film. I think it's probably, it's not even your first film that you've been in, but um, lots more to talk about. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. Have you become a member yet? 
Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero-cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888-684-3122 to learn more today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back to Finding Certainty. Um, visiting with Sir James Gray Robinson. He's uh, published nine books. He was recently in a movie that just premiered a couple of weeks ago called Beyond Physical Matter. And before we go t- to what you're doing today, let's go back just a little bit more, Sir James, and talk about how you transitioned because you were a very successful lawyer. You were, you'd had you'd made millions of dollars, received all sorts of recognition and accolades, and yet you were miserable. And you decided you needed a change. You just got whether it was probably wasn't all in, all at once, but over time you just got to a point where you said, "This isn't working." Right? I am not enjoying my life now you were going through a divorce and that makes it difficult but i think it was much more than that right it was 20 years of doing something that while it was financially viable and of course there were benefits was not what you were supposed to be doing and was not bringing you joy now there's another another interesting twist to you becoming a coach and a healer is that you had your own several in fact near-death experiences uh, do you want to talk about that for just a minute? Because that's uh, sure. I think that contributed to where you are today. And you talk about being compassionate and you are a healer and you're helping others in this way. I think some of those experiences you've gone through most definitely contributed. Absolutely. I, um, for a number of years, I was, uh, you know, I would, I would characterize it as engaged in very risky behavior. I, you know, I love to do dangerous things and uh, because it was thrilling and brought excitement into my life. And unfortunately, some of those things caused some uh, catastrophic energy, energy uh, injuries. Uh, I fell off a building when I was a freshman in college uh, that basically crushed the left side of my rib cage and took half of my face off. Um, that was not a pretty sight. Wow. Uh, I 
was I used I uh, used to have a cattle ranch in Montana, and I was uh, training. I trained horses. That was my job, and I got bucked off of a stallion and landed on my head, and you know had an out of body experience. I played rugby. Talk about yeah. risky behavior. <laughs> I played rugby and uh, had a catastrophic injury to my face. Uh, there's a reason my face looks like the way it does, <laughs> but it's uh, you know and. I was uh, in uh, beaten to death twice, simply because I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Wow! And so all of those resulted in catastrophic injuries. I had out of body experiences, uh, similar to what a lot of people report when they uh, have a death experience. And for me, it was when you leave your body like that and you recognize and you have an experience where you understand that you are not your body, you're not your thoughts, because when your brain shuts down, you're still aware. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, um, I had ketamine therapy because of some of these injuries still hurt and ketamine therapy helps your body deal with chronic pain. And the thing is, it shuts down your frontal lobe, uh, but you're still aware and you're still conscious of what's going on around you, but you don't think, you don't have any thoughts. So I had a number of experiences where I realized that I was, the person that I conceived of as myself was different than my mind. There was, in other words, I was not my thoughts. Right. So, so there's a difference between the awareness and the thinking. So, yeah, some, many people think of it as the physical and spiritual, or your body and your soul, or your mind and intellect versus your physical, biological body. But whatever you call it, there's been so many experiences reported, like your own, thousands of them, where people have said the same thing, right? There is a very distinct difference between the two are two halves, if you will, right? And the, for me, I experienced my soul standing alone, you know, experience, well, what is this that is aware of the fact I'm looking down and they're trying to resuscitate me, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're beating on my chest and all this kind of stuff, or there's, I'm in a pool of blood or, you know, what is looking down? Because, yeah, my... you know, and so the, to me, I characterize that as my soul. That was yeah. the life force that's inside of this shell that is aware. Hundred percent. My, my father, just to interject, had an experience during surgery where he left his body and was watching them do surgery on him, standing above him. There was even someone with him narrating what was going on. Who isn't sure who that was, but another personage, another spirit who was telling him who, who what was happening it was so I, i'm a big believer in that yeah well a lot I, of my, us are. yeah my first out of body experience was when i was about um eight years old and, really wow yeah and so i think that having those experiences at periodically through my life it got me in touch with an energy that most people aren't aware of simply because they're so focused on living that they aren't aware of the fact that there are other aspects to life than thinking. And well, so, 
And I know there are a lot of um, films who've been produced and they're almost always focused on the experience, right? What did they see? Who did they meet? The light at the end of the tunnel, all these different experiences. You're doing a film. You're producing one that's coming out. I, I don't know the date yet, but that's going to be focused on how that experience impacted people. I'm sure you'll be exactly. talking about your own experiences, right? Yep. There's so, a lot of lot of literature. There's a lot of uh, anecdotal evidence about what happens when you die. And my own personal belief is that when you have a out of body experience and your brain is shutting down, there's a process by which the brain shuts down. One, you know, there's a there is one part will shut down, then the next part shuts down, and then the next part shuts down. And that's what creates that tunnel effect, the light at the end of the tunnel. Because when your amygdala shuts down, then your hippocampus shuts down, you experience life without thinking, without thought. Your frontal lobe shuts down, and so you're experiencing basically uh, a life, your parts of your brain that does short-term and then long-term memory shuts down. And so... That's what a lot of people interpret as the end of life review, where you review everything that you you remember that happened to you. And that's attributable to the way that the brain dies. So the Interesting. Uh, it's, it's predictable in a way. And that's why there's so many similar stories about what happens when you die is because that's the way the brain shuts down and it has a predictable experience associated with that so you're always going to get that now what's really curious is what people see and experience when they're in that process personally i think that our subconscious mind which is which lives in the reptilian brain the brain stem and the amygdala or, or the medulla oblongata that is the last thing that dies and that is where a lot of our memories are stored where our beliefs are stored. Uh, so if you were raised, say, in a Christian environment, you're mm -hmm. probably going to have a go-to-heaven experience. If you're raised in an Arab environment, a Muslim environment, you're going to go to their version of heaven uh, because they have similar stories and traditions about what happens where souls go when they die. When you're, if you're Jewish, you're going to have their version of heaven. Uh, so it's your belief systems that kind of determines what kind of near-death experience you're going to have. And they've done a lot of research about this, and it's pretty predictable. So there's a question in my mind, I'm not criticizing or debunking anybody's experience because their experience is their experience. It's just simply that it, it, a lot of times it's connected to whatever your belief system is. So that's one thing. But for me, this, I never, I didn't go to heaven. Basically I had an experience where I was communicating with some kind of life force and was downloaded some knowledge and, uh, every time. And so I learned a little bit, but I also realized that I had the ability to heal other people and animals as a part of that process. And that's why I still do energy healing today. And I've, I've seen brain cancer disappear. 
instantly. I've seen broken bones mend instantly. I've seen a lot of very serious injuries heal spontaneously. And I think that it's not, I think we all have that ability. It's just simply, it was these near-death experiences that called my attention to it. And so and if there's anything positive to having a near-death experience, that was what I am grateful for, that I had that experience. Well, what's interesting is with so many different experiences of this nature, I think you're... I think your take on the brain and how it's shutting down is very interesting. I haven't ever heard of that uh, explanation. I think that people have ex the experience that they needed to have in some cases, other times an experience that they had to do with the great divine or the or heaven or the future. It was just physical, like you were saying. I think there's, there's just, but there's such an abundance of experiences that they're, it's indefatigable. It's it's inarguable that there is something more out there, that, the, that there is life after death, that there is um, a separation between our physical and our mental or our spiritual halves, as I say, our beings. Now, I think what's interesting is from your experience, you realized that you could not just there was this separation there was this distinction between the two but that if you understand that you can then utilize it and put it to work you can heal yourself you can heal others you can you can create certainty in your life and make adjustments where so often people feel helpless you know i i, I think more often than not the reason people feel helpless and overwhelmed is they just don't know the answers right they're they they do not understand that there are solutions there are approaches there are modalities and 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 i i mean i'm a fan of energy healing because we are made of energy right if you understand that there's there are most definitely approaches that um that work and so as you i know you went from you've had you had multiple near-death experiences you had your own burnout or or nervous breakdown at the time, you decided, you call, call it a paradigm shift, you decided that you needed to be on a different path and move in a different direction. And then you also, be, you started a, a, a multi-year education. Uh, you started to study this topic and, and in many respects became an expert in healing, in coaching. You've since decided to focus and help attorneys specifically, but what you teach is applicable for anyone. It's not just attorneys, right? It's for professionals, it's for single moms. Anybody, it's for, anybody it's that's anybody. experiencing stress, yes. Right. We all experience stress to a, a greater or lesser degree. You know, the one thing that is interesting about our brain is that we there are parts to the brain we have no control over. It's called the autonomic nervous system. Right. That regulates our bodily functions. Sympathetic, uh, parasympathetic, right? Exactly. And so the the good and the bad news is, is that the this activates, this is why we've been able to survive all these thousands, if not millions of years. It's because we have this defense mechanism in our brain that turns on whenever we sense danger. And also... Other parts of it turns on when we sense safety. Mm -hmm. Now, 
it's a lot better to be in what's called the parasympathetic. I call that the guru um, because that produces all kinds of really nice hormones and chemicals in our brain, in our body that makes us feel good. It's dopamine, sure. melatonin, <laughs> serotonin, right? serotonin <laughs> oxytocin. So you want to be in that mode. You want to activate your parasympathetic guru. And there are ways, and I teach people how to do that. If you're in a stressful situation, if you're in a stressful career, you're turning, you're activating your your sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight response. And that pumps adrenaline and cortisol into your system. Adrenaline and cortisol is really good for very short periods of time. It makes you stronger, faster, and you can defend yourself better. Right. You keep from getting eaten by that saber tooth by that saber tooth tiger, right? Right, James. Yeah. The problem is our brain has not evolved from the prehistoric times sufficiently to be able to tell the difference between a mortgage payment and a saber tooth tiger. So what happens, our body has the same our brain has the same response to unpredictability and uncertainty that it does to physical uh predators. And the the problem is, is when you are exposed to that state, when you're in that state for a lengthy period of time, it's very bad for your body because uh, adrenaline and cortisol makes you fat. It makes you stressed out. It tears down your immune system and it makes you a nervous wreck. So if you don't know how to turn off your, I call that the warrior. If you don't know how to turn off your warrior and turn on your guru, you're going to have a problem. And our body, the reason our body shuts down while we burn out is it's a defense mechanism against that sensory overload. So that when, if we're in a warrior state for too long, our body shuts down to protect itself. And that's burnout. So right. I if teach If we don't people, give it a break, it gives us a break, right? <laughs> exactly. It's just like a circuit breaker flipping. And there's nothing you can do about it other than enjoy the ride. So, so I teach people. So, Sir James, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold, cut you off right there because we're into the next break. We've got to we've got to go to break. But okay, when we come back, let's talk about what you do and how you're helping your clients to overcome this. Because you're exactly right. It's stress that keeps that sympathetic system firing on all cylinders. It keeps the you know the uh, cortisol and the adrenaline just flowing non-stop and it's I, I i think your example of a circuit breaker is perfect because what happens when our electrical system gets overloaded right those breakers flip and i've seen it in my own life i when you come back i, I want to share something with you but we are up against our break so don't go away we'll be right back and we'll wrap up here with sir james voice america is on linkedin connect with us today if you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888 684 3122 to learn more today. That's 888 684 3122. Visit us on the web at certaintyteam.com. That's certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty. T-E-A-M, like Mary.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back to Finding Certainty. I'm visiting with Sir James Gray Robinson. And we were talking before the break about the two parts of our brain. This uh, 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 They say the autonomic nervous system right right james yeah yeah you have the sympathetic nervous system which is our fight or flight uh, response this is what he what what james refers to as the warrior and that's the part that when activated pumps adrenaline and cortisol into our body makes us faster and stronger and you know we needed that centuries ago when we were being chased by a saber-toothed tiger or trying to uh, hunt and eat and, uh, you know, run down that uh, mammoth, you know, woolly mammoth or whatever the case might be. The problem is, is today we, our brain doesn't know the difference between a saber tooth tiger and a mortgage payment to your point. And so often because of our lifestyles, because of our careers, that sympathetic nervous system is firing all the time and filling our body with cortisol and adrenaline on an ongoing basis. One of the things we have to do, I know you teach a process called brain hacking with your uh, with your clients. My understanding is you you teach a process called the shift that helps them shift their thinking and understand how to engage the parasympathetic system or the parasympathetic nervous system and get the guru side of your life working. Not just the warrior, but the guru. You do need the warrior sometimes if you're if you're an in danger if you're being attacked if you know you have to swerve real quick because there's a car coming at you those are those are sympathetic nervous system responses but they can't be working at all the time you've got to get the parasympathetic working as well and funneling and 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 fueling your life with those good endorphins and those good hormones melatonin serotonin etc so let's talk a little bit about how you do that okay what what do you do with your, and I know you're focused more on attorneys because that's where you come from. That's your expertise. You have a lot of compassion and insight for them. But I also know that what you teach could apply to anyone. And I know you have clients that aren't attorneys as well. That might be your focus, but that's not your 
they're not exclusive to attorneys. Do you mind sharing just a, a an idea or two that you teach that is helping, making uh, it's making a difference? I'd be happy to. One of the things we have to realize is that, as I said, we're there, we do not have conscious control of our autonomic nervous system. That's it's just the way it evolved, uh, and the reason we evolved that way is because the people who autonomic nervous systems cut on at the when it needed to turn on usually survived right people who had to sit there and think oh my god there's a saber-toothed tiger what am i going to do now you know ended up being lunch and so it was the (laughs) ones that their autonomic nervous system just by trial and error you know we developed these autonomic nervous system and that's who survived so we have this structure in our brain that turns on whether we want it to or not. There are things that we can do physically that will shut off the warrior and turn on the guru. Dr. Stephen Porges, uh, P-O-R-G-E-S, had developed over the last 20 years. I mean, ironically, this wasn't, we didn't know this when I had my nervous breakdown. So knowing this today wouldn't have helped me 20 years ago because they didn't, nobody knew about it. But we have a nerve that goes from the back of our head all the way down into our torso that's connected to all our internal organs. It's called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve when the warrior turns on, the vagus nerve turns off. In other words, what happens is when the warrior turns on, all of our energy, all of our resources goes to our muscles and digestion shuts down. Our frontal lobe shuts down. That's why we don't make very good decisions when we're in warrior mode. So if you're stressed out, you're probably making bad decisions, which will contribute to your stress. So what you have to do is you have to activate your vagus nerve in order to turn on your guru. Uh, It's a reverse process. And there are things you can do. I'll give you a couple very quickly that sound counterintuitive, but it works instantly to turn off your warrior and turn on your, your guru. First one is, and this one sounds too simple to be true, but it's they've done a lot of research on this and it absolutely works, is smiling. If you smile, you're activating facial nerves that are connected to cranial nerves, which are connected to your vagus nerve. And so when you smile, you're activating your vagus nerve. And so if you're in a stressful situation, just smile. If if you think about it, if you walk into a room and there's a frown on your face, you're stressed out, how are people going to react to you? They're going to be repelled, basically. Their defense systems are going to say, danger, danger. There's a guy walking in here who's obviously unhappy, and I don't want to be around him. So, and what happens when you walk in and you're smiling and you're having fun? What happens? You attract those people to you. They want to be around you. They want to be near you because you're giving off a completely different energy when you're smiling and having fun. And it's kind of like, you know, that old saying, fake it till you make it. That doesn't work on the warrior Mm -hmm. mode, but it does work when you are smiling to turn off the warrior. And so you can get into your parasympathetic system, your digestion turns back on, 
your frontal lobe turns back on, you can breathe deeply and start having rational thoughts again. You can problem solve, you can connect, you can communicate, and you can have a happy life. But it's impossible to have a happy life if you're in warrior mode. It just doesn't, your body doesn't work that way. So, well, you know, I've, you know, James, uh, Sir James, I've heard that our mind does not know the difference between real and make believe. That's why the, that's the, or the power of having goals and vision boards. And I know Dr. You know, or John Asraf is one of your co-hosts in the beyond physical batter. Uh, he's a big, he's a big proponent of having a vision board and, and of reading your goals out loud in present tense and reading them the first thing in the morning and reviewing them the first thing at night, because your mind hears these things and it doesn't distinguish between something that happened 50 years ago and something that's happening today. It doesn't distinguish between the present and the future. It's all present to your mind. And so I think there's a, a, a lot of truth to that. I know you, one of the things, another thing you talk about is if you, if you hum, right. Or if you sing that along with the, the, uh, the smile, that's, that's something that, that uh, in activates that parasympathetic. That's why uh, there are many religions that chant mantras and sing hymns and exactly. things like that. Isn't that right? Yes. Our vocal cords are right beside the vagus nerve. And so when you're using your vocal cords, you're activating your vagus nerve, which makes you feel. That's why we sing in the shower. That's why we sing in our car. Even if we're horrible singers, that makes us feel better. And when we activate the vagus nerve, we're get turning on that part of the brain that pumps out the melatonin, serotonin, oxytocin, endorphins, et cetera, et cetera, makes us feel better. And so it inst and it works instantly. So amazing when people, you know, you just have to remember to do it. That's the trick. You have to form a habit of doing these things on a regular basis so that you know, a lot of times we're activating the, the warrior and we don't even know it because we're so used to it that it actually feels uncomfortable when we turn it off. Right. And that's why a lot of people get addicted to adrenaline and cortisol uh, because it's a very powerful drug and they get addicted to that rush, that excitement without realizing that it's very detrimental to your health. It compromises your immune system. You start putting on weight because that's one thing your body does in times of stress because it can't tell the difference between uh, business stress and famine, for example. And what happens when in famine, people start putting on fat in order to survive the famine. Right. They'll take every spare calorie and turn it into fat. And you that's why people who are stressed out and have a lot of cortisol in their system can't lose weight. They have a gut, in other words, and they, mm -hmm. uh, that's a famous cortisol gut. And so in order to lose that weight, you've got to change your frame of mind. And that's where turning off the warrior and turning on the guru not only will help you calm down and problem solve, it'll also help you lose weight. I'm actually re reading, I'm writing a book right now called Spiritual Nutrition. Uh, and it, it, we talk about all of that. Um, so it's... You know, to me, it's it almost sounds too good to be true to be able to shift everything like that instantly by doing something as simple as singing or smiling. You know, there's other things you can do 
that are just as effective. There, I've got a long list of things you can do that'll turn on your vagus nerve. But um, it, you know, just some. It, this will absolutely change your life, and you will. Uh, and go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that uh, it's easy. The only thing that- we get into we get into neuroplasticity when uh, we're because when you're in those negative loops, when you're thinking I'm not good enough, or you're thinking I'm a loser, or you're thinking that I I don't deserve this success. You keep repeating those thoughts in your mind and neuroplasticity, we've discovered you're actually forming neural pathways. They're habit, hab- habitual thinking. And we fall into these habits and we keep thinking these negative thoughts. And it's simply the way the brain works. And if you, what you have to do is form new neural pathways. You have to th- start doing positive thinking and stop the negative thinking and that's why it takes a habit 30 days to form exactly they say 21 days minimum right yeah so we are up against the clock unfortunately this this show goes so fast i know this is a really hot topic for you it's what you coach your clients on you give a tedx talk about it you've received a great deal of recognition and just in the last two minutes i'd love to have you share how people can get a hold of you and learn more but before i do that I have an announcement. Little Bird told me that you're actually going to be receiving a very important award coming up in a- April, right? The President's Lifetime Achievement Award. Is that right? Yeah, I kind of get emotional about that, but it's very <laughs> prestigious honor. Uh, it's given to people who have devoted thousands of hours to volunteer work. It was something that the first President Bush started back in the 80s to recognize people who have dedicated their life to service. And so me, I'll be getting it. My wife will be getting one. Um, We have a number of our friends that will be given. Sir James Dentley will be getting one. Hmm. Um, So it's, it's, I I still can't believe it. I'm still in a little bit of shock to be, uh, wasn't looking for any awards for, stuff that I do that makes me feel better. Um, right. But it's it's certainly something that uh, I'm truly honored to receive. Well, congratulations, Sir James. Share, if you can, your website, and then we are we're going to be out of time here. Okay. It's www.jamesgrayrobinson.com, all one word, and uh, G-R-A-Y. And you can, my uh, email is hello at jamesgrayrobinson.com. Uh, oh, and you can yeah. just go to my website and it has all the bells and whistles on how to contact me. Well, I really appreciate you being on Finding Certainty today. Uh, if you if you watch the YouTube version of our show, we usually speak during the, we continue to chat during the breaks. We'll talk a little bit after, but you can find that at Certainty Management on YouTube. And uh, But thanks for being here. If you're listening, have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us on Finding Certainty. We could go a whole other hour, I'm sure, with everything we could unpack here. But thank you for being here. and Have a a great weekend. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Finding Certainty. We hope you've gained some more insight into how to create more certainty in your own business or nonprofit. Join us next week for another taste of the certainty experience. Until then, we wish you greater certainty in all that you do.